Welcome back to the Subconscious Podcast. I am your host, Stephanie Cortez. Joining me on this episode is a friend of mine, University of Utah senior and biology major, Madalena James. I have known Madalena since she was in fifth grade with my sister, Cindy, and I was in sixth. We have grown up together these last couple of years. We have had deep conversations and gotten to know one another better. I am honestly very happy to call Madalena a friend, and I would like to thank her for being there for me, my sister, and my family. I'm going to stop being a little sappy now, but before we get started, Madeline, I'm just going to ask you a question so the listeners can get to know you better. What is your guilty pleasure and why? My guilty pleasure is watching uh, mystery documentaries. <laughs> why is that? It has a lot of trauma. <laughs> ooh, ooh, okay, okay. <laughs> All right, well, with that, let's go ahead and get started with this week's episode. Listener discretion is warned. This episode will touch on some heavy subjects such as suicide, mental health, sexual assault, PTSD, and gory details. Please proceed with caution. Have you experienced childhood trauma? Has it affected your day-to-day life? Do you look back on that experience and feel angry, sad, confused, everything and anything? Well, why wouldn't you? Childhood trauma is defined as the experience of an event by a child that is emotionally painful or distressful, which often results in lasting mental and physical effects. Talking about one's childhood trauma can definitely make one feel self-conscious. There can be this guilt that you're not truly aware of and you're not sure how to deal with. But to help you, Madeline and I will talk about our own childhood trauma, how we have dealt with it and have healed from it, and offer advice if you find yourself unable to move on from your own childhood trauma. So let's just go ahead and get started. What is your childhood trauma you would like to disclose, Madalena? I would like to disclose the neglect in childhood. Yep. And a little bit of sexual assault and violence. Yeah. Obviously, childhood trauma is something that, like we are talking about, it's something we don't usually disclose because it's something very private. I mean, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to jump right to it. My childhood trauma, well, I have, I have several. <laughs> But the one that's more impactful for me is the one when I was about 11 or 12 years old. I was starting seventh grade. I was in the, it was the summer before seventh grade. And my little sister, Mary, was three years old at the time. We had just celebrated her three-year-old birthday party. I'm giving you guys the backstory to it because it's, it's going to explain everything. What happened was most public schools, you know, during the summer, they offer breakfast and lunch, free breakfast and lunch. So the school you went to was only like a couple blocks from my house. So we went there for lunch. My mom had gone to the grocery store, literally just right right around the block. It was like any other day. I remember the day was Thursday, and that day we had pizza. And as we're walking back, my brother, my younger brother and younger sister, Cindy and, and Etsley, were arguing. And, you know, I told them, why don't you guys hurry on home? Like, me and Miriam will catch up to you. You know, just so they could stop arguing, but also because Miriam really wanted to play on the playground at the school. And we normally didn't get to do that. So, you know, I was like, why not? You know, we got time. So I was at the playground with Miriam for like maybe 20, 30 minutes. And I was like, okay, Miriam, let's let's start heading back. We got to, you know, we got to get home. Mom's going to be there soon. So we started walking back and we were only like a block away from my house. All we had to do was just cross the street and we were home. And when this big white truck pulled up to the stop sign... Obviously, we had the right of way, but I stopped to make sure if he had seen us. I thought he had seen us. I waited a good, like, five seconds, I think, five, ten seconds. And then as soon as my foot took off the pavement, or I need, I think I need to say Marion was on my left side. As soon as my foot left the curbside, the car started up, 
and I felt Miriam's hand slip away from mine and the truck was up to my chest and I was banging on it I was telling him to stop stop the car he did and I ran to the side I couldn't get to my sister and you know broke my heart I had to tell him to back the car up I didn't know what to do as a kid you know so he backed the car up which means he went over her body again and when I got to Miriam she was face down so I flipped her over this like part of her skin like the uh, I had flipped her over and part of her skin on her face was peeled off and I could see the blood the veins the eyeball socket everything it was it was a lot you know for an 11 year old I tried to put the skin back and like squeeze the blood together like try to hurt tried to stop her from bleeding I tried to keep her conscious I was talking to her like Miriam talk to me you know you know what did you what what dress are you wearing what's your favorite princess you know all this and that to just keep her conscious and she couldn't speak back to me she was kind of mumbling but if she mumbled I don't know I just it kind of I kind of felt really like okay she's not dead she's not dead and then you know I started screaming like somebody call 911 somebody call 911 everything kind of went for me like slow pace but also really fast because I I felt like the ambulance got there in like a matter of seconds and they tore up Miriam's new dress that she was wearing and we're getting to her and helping her and then all I did was like back away and I ran to my house and I was grabbing like soda and chips and I was like you know she's gonna be okay she's gonna be okay they're gonna stitch her up it's gonna be like nothing ever happened but like deep down I knew that that wasn't the truth like I needed to tell my parents and I needed to tell my my brother and my sister so I told my parents I was like so I called my parents and I was like Mary's been in a car accident and my mom's like I'll be there right away and my dad's like I'm on my way and Cindy and Esley were still fighting and when I told them Esley went into shock was like completely numb and I had to comfort them and Cindy started screaming like a banshee like like you know she started screaming and I had to comfort her too and then I went back to the car accident and I think I need to say that when I talked to my dad he I remember he told me like no matter no matter what happens you make sure you get in that ambulance with her and I was like okay and as I was, you know, running back to the scene of the crime, I saw the ambulance taking off and I fell to my knees and I started, I think that was the first time I started bawling. I actually started pro- like going through the emotions of it because I felt super guilty because I, I felt like I had failed my sister twice in one day. What happened later? So then I feel like I only cried for like five seconds because then my mom got there and the cop approaches her and tells her, ma'am, we don't think your daughter's going to make it because Mary was only three years old at the time. And there was other incidents that day that, you know, I'll disclose more later on. But it just a lot was happening. And then I just see my mom fall to her knees and start crying and say, why my baby? Why my baby? I think it's almost similar to when a, I don't know if you guys have ever heard this, but when a, when a mother loses her child, she lets out this scream, like this cry. I have, I have never heard, I've heard this cry very few times, but when I hear it, it just sends chills down my spine. And I heard my mom do that scream. And I was like, I don't know, I just said, I was like, it can't be over. So I I ran over to my mom, you know, I was only 11 years old again. And I I ran to my mom and I told mom, everything's going to be okay. You know, I was talking to Miriam, she's going to be fine. And she's like, why God, why? And I was like, no, God's on our side. She's going to be okay. You got to believe it. You got to have faith in it. And then she's like, I got to see her. I just got to see her. Well, given the fact that, you know, her daughter was in a car accident, I was going to let her drive by herself. So... Asked one of the neighbors to take her, and so I, you know, put her in the car. They, she went off, and next thing I know, my dad was there, but you know, he hadn't seen me, and my dad was taking in the scene of the crime, like, I, and I think that was the first time I was also recognizing like how much blood was on the, on the pavement, 
how much and like the little hairs that had come out off my sister's scalp and I didn't even realize that the new doll that she had took in with her that day was on the ground all bloodied up and I saw my dad pick it up and I never had seen my dad cry but I saw him get emotional that day and then I also saw my little sister had had an orange on her other hand and you could see that the orange was squashed so I think I was kind of taking in the scene and I don't know it just felt surreal because I was like I can't believe that shit really, I can't believe that really happened so then I see my dad get back in the car and I run home because I know that's where he was going to head out and he's like he's like do you want to go he's like do you want to go see her and I was like yeah um by that time my aunt and uncle had come over and they said that they take care of Cindy and and Edsley and that you know and to keep them to keep them updated all I remember in the car was just feeling this like in unmeasurable guilt like I just felt so guilty the whole way there and I kept thinking like it should have been me it should have been me or thinking about like what else could I have done you know what could have been different like what if I what if we didn't stay at the playground what if this what if that so definitely like just torturing myself and I think the thing was nobody had asked me how I was you know how was I dealing with everything because I, I understand Marion was the concern. You know, she's the one in the car accident. But her and me were in it together. We experienced the whole thing together, given I wasn't as, you know, hurt as she was. But I was only 11, and I was definitely traumatized by what I had seen. So when we get to the hospital, you know, she's in the ICU, and I think she's getting ready to, she's getting prepped to go into surgery. She had to have multiple surgeries that day. And... The way I saw her, like when I got to the hospital, it was completely different than when I had initially saw her. Because nobody else saw her the way I saw her. And my mom was on her side and my dad went to her other side. I couldn't bring myself to go into the room because I just, I, again, I just, I felt so guilty. And looking at her, I was like, it, it just was like, it should have been me. And the doctors and nurses asked me, like, are you, were you with her during the car accident? And I was like, yes, I was with her. They asked me what I did. I told them. They're like, well, if it wasn't for you, like your sister wouldn't have had the time, extra time she needed to get here to the hospital. You saved her. You're a hero. And I mean, while that was nice to hear, it really didn't do shit to me because I didn't feel like a hero. You know, I felt like an older sister that failed her younger sister. Um, you know, she was my responsibility and I didn't do what I was supposed to do. So that was really what it was. And then, you know, thankfully, Marin recovered quickly and she's all healed up. Miraculously enough, ma'am, she had no broken bones, no brain damage, no, not, not, nothing really happened to her. All she had was like maybe a few scratches, but the she did have some internal bleeding, but the only damaged organ was her liver, and the liver is the only human body part that can reattach itself or regrow. So she, honestly, it was a fucking miracle. She was okay, and she recovered quickly than what the doctors anticipated. And if you look at her now, I mean, she's 15 years old, and you look at her now, you wouldn't, you would never assume that that's something that happened to her. And, you know, it's brought us closer, but during that time, I was definitely depressed for, like, four years, and I didn't realize I was depressed until later, but I had become depressed and definitely affected my relationship with my parents and with my siblings, with myself. I think that's where my self-esteem started going down, and really where my mental psyche started getting down everything you know just like my emotional my physical my mental all got affected and it was because of that of that well I've had multiple childhood traumas but I feel that one's definitely one that scarred me the most wow 
I can't I can't imagine what you're going through speaking about your trauma and I'm so sorry to hear about that well at least you're working on your healing <laughs> hopefully well I mean I'm all healed up now you know and we'll disclose it. we'll talk about it We'll okay. talk about how we healed with... Oh, I'm healed from it. I don't know if you healed from yours, but okay. I've healed from mine. But let's talk about right. your childhood trauma. Okay. okay. <laughs> so I'll talk about a little bit of my sexual assault, violence, trauma. Um, I had a good family friend of mine that we bonded. And uh, my mother had a friend who had an older son who is uh, six years older than me. And of course, he sexually violated me. And touched me and then I did not know about it until I was eight years old he violated me when I was eight and I went to my elementary school teacher to talk about how I felt some discomfort from my private areas and I asked for help and for justice and the school that I went to St. Anne they helped me get some help and sadly, my mother wanted to protect her friend and her son. So instead, she had me lie to the investigators and disregard my assault. From that start, when I was eight years old, I stopped. I stopped listening to my mother. I became more distant and I was upset and I lost trust in men, obviously. Another trauma was childhood neglect because obviously my parents were so busy working and putting food on the table and providing tangible support, but they did not know how to offer emotional support. So instead, I was feeling depressed because of my salt and I was feeling repressed of my emotion and I did not know how to express my emotion that I became so quiet. And anytime my parents like bother me or bother me about my emotion or I have some kind of trigger moment with strange people, especially strange men who came and visited my home, I get so emotional and I walk away. Or if not, I just came through this outburst of anger to the point that I needed help. I became avoidant attach attachment clearly meaning that I avoid conflicts with people especially with men and older women like my mother because if I'm not being heard of my pain and nobody's listening to my pain what's the point of sharing my pain or my emotion with other people who are close to me and that bothered me so much to the point that I also uh, escaped through maladaptive daydreaming, meaning that I create this imagination in my head so many times to escape my pain or my trigger emotions all the time. I'm sorry. It's a, it's a lot. <laughs> Honestly, when you told me about your childhood trauma, I, you know, because we've been friends for a long time, and even though we've had deep conversations, you know, sometimes it's hard to talk about, like, deep shit. Like, really deep, hard topics. And when you were telling me about what had happened to you, it honestly broke my heart. Because it's, to me, it's just so crazy. Because 
you know, you see somebody, but you never really know what's happening to them. You never know what's happening in the background because some people are just so good at hiding it. I honestly don't think people knew how hurt I was, like how badly I was hurting because people would see me happy and smiling, but you know, I'd be crying myself to sleep every night, every night. And for the longest time, every single time I would look at Marianne when she came home after the hospital, it was just like guilt all over again. Like it's my fault. You know, and whenever I saw her scar, I would be like, it was just a reminder for me, not for her, but it was a reminder for me of what happened. And the way that that affected me is I was closed off for sure. I developed trust issues. It was hard for me to open up to people. I became very picky with who I would choose to be friends with. And it definitely affected my relationship with my parents because... I also had this anger towards them because like you childhood neglect was also an effect but you know I just felt so angry at them was like why didn't you check on me I was hurting too maybe I wasn't in physical pain like Miriam but I was hurting too my mom said that she tried to get a therapist but that it was just like the school counselor and the school counselor didn't do shit like they didn't they didn't know what to do also it was like it was a white dominant school it was at St. Anne's mm-hmm. you know like what the fuck are they gonna do you know shit um and what I hated the most is I would always get told like you should pray to God you should pray to God cause he's gonna help you with all that yeah God helps in certain ways but also like what the fuck you know like that praying isn't gonna solve all my problems away you know like there, I had I had to go to therapy to really help dive into that shit I had to do my own self work to, you know, not feel guilty about what had happened and recognize it wasn't my fault and it had nothing to do with it in the first place. But that's what bothers me. Like, my childhood trauma affected me in a lot of ways and definitely it's affected my personality. I don't want to say it's, it's fucked me up. It did, you know, I've healed from it. You know, we'll talk about it. But it's also made me who I am. As sad as that situation was, I'm glad I can look at it and be like, you know, I came out stronger from it. But it's just crazy to me. Like, you never know what's happening behind closed doors. So don't make the assumption that somebody's okay when you don't know what's happening. Well, my childhood trauma affected me so much. I, Like I said earlier, I became more distant, quiet, mysterious. and You were an enigma. And I was an enigma, yeah. Mm. And I was just minding my own business. I'm not vulnerable. I was really closed off, like what she said. And people assume, people who looked at me always assume I was standoffish or have a RBF. Yeah, dude. I honestly, when I met you, I thought you were a little bitch. <laughs> I thought you were a bitch. But you were my sister's first friend at St. Anne's. Trust my sister's instinct. I'm like, she's coming across as a bitch. But then again, like I'm saying, you don't know what's happening behind closed doors. Yeah. Definitely. I came off like RBF and people assume I was always mean or uh, rude, but I wasn't. I'm just quiet and mysterious because I was afraid to share my vulnerabilities with people who will take my vulnerability, my vulnerability, my vulnerability. I cannot say this. Vulnerabilities. Vulnerabilities. (laughs) And accept them instead of destroying it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was afraid of. And also building trust. 
pick and choose what kind of friends I want to be with. True friends, not fake friends. Another thing is attachment. I wanted to create a healthy attachment, but it's really hard to create a healthy attachment when I can't trust my parents or people around me. And have I forgiven a person who attacked me? Sadly, I have, but I have not forgotten and I reminded my parents that if this person ever comes into my home or my family's home, I will leave. Yeah. It's like a forgive but not forget situation. Forgive but not forget situation. Exactly. Definitely. So, I mean, I guess we've both kind of been touching on it. Did we have anybody in our corners? Or does I personally don't think so? At least from my, from my experience, I don't think I did have anybody in my corner. It should be your parents that should be in your corner. But I don't think my parents understand, well, at the time, my parents didn't understand, like, mental health and how that was going to create a domino effect because it, uh, I didn't disclose this. I used to be a very competitive runner, and after that accident, I just couldn't do it anymore. Like, I literally lost self-esteem. I was like, can't be on top of the world. I felt like a fucking loser. So I didn't have anybody in my corner. My parents weren't there. I didn't have a therapist. And my siblings, you know, unfortunately, we were dealing with their own shit, and I'm, I wish we would have been, I wish we would have been able to deal with it better. Like, I, I feel like I'm close with all my siblings, but I just, I know it affected us more than we'd like to say it does. Who I had in my corner, I think, really were friends, you know, or, like, friends that really, a few friends who I had disclosed my shit to. And keep in mind, it took years to tell them everything that had happened and be honest and open and vulnerable with them. I have a hard time expressing my emotions. That's what ended up happening with that. Um, well, it goes back to childhood trauma, not just that, but growing up in a conservative household with immigrant parents mm. you know you're told not to express your emotions you're told to hold it together you know i'd be told constantly like don't cry that's something not cry about expressing your emotions was a vulnerability and it wasn't okay to disclose it or show it so you know i really had a hard time coming to terms with the way i was feeling because as it is the only one who was really in my corner was me but you know it took a long time to get there too because i i like i said i was depressed for four years and what was sad as it is i did have suicidal thoughts comes with depression you know and then i would have this thought like i can't i can't do it because then i'd be failing my family a third time i'd be i'd be letting my little sister down a third time and i was like i can't do it not not yet not yet it would always be like not yet unfortunately i didn't have anybody growing up i didn't have anybody during my childhood trauma to really just be in my corner until later on well, for me, I didn't have anyone in my corner as well. I had, to, I had to learn to survive and get through my childhood trauma, literally, because I am a child of immigrant family and also a child of refugee parents. They only knew how to survive, literally how to survive from danger and trauma in their back home, in their home country, Sudan, at that time. So I only, I only know how to survive, get through my childhood trauma, which was painful. And sadly, I didn't even tell my siblings until it was like my se second year of college. They didn't know about my childhood trauma like that. And it, it was a big surprise for my siblings because they understood, they finally understood why I was so standoffish or rude or being a bitch or so protective whenever it comes to men men 
especially my sisters and my mm-hmm. brother. He, yeah, I have a younger brother. He's more protective of me and his younger siblings as well, younger sisters as well, because of that. Dude, we some real fucked up bitches. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We've been through some shit. <laughs> exactly. Not to undermine what our experiences are. It's just, you know, I can laugh about it because I've, I've healed from it. But, um, well, let's talk about it. So, yes, I actually have healed from my trauma, thankfully. I, and it's not the only experience I've had. I've had, I've had a lot of other shit, but that was the one I wanted to focus on. I have healed from it. Yes, I was depressed for four years. I did end up going through therapy, came to the terms that, you know, Let's say the roles were reversed and it was me instead of my sister. If it was, I'd probably be dead. You know, my sister would be far more traumatized than I was because she was only three years old. And given everything that my family has been through, you know, they don't like to admit it, but I have helped my family get through a lot of shit. And if I don't think if I were here, I don't think my family would be, I don't know, as united as we are. Because, you know, when it comes to immigrant families, eventually the oldest always ends up taking the reins and taking over. And I think in a way I've been kind of being, I've been groomed to be the head of the household. But these childhood experiences, these childhood trauma experiences have definitely speeded up that process where I ended up growing super fast. Yes, I had a childhood, but those experiences make you grow up fast. And it makes you, I don't know, it took away my innocence in a way. I didn't see the world the same way. I was like, you know, the world's a fucked up place. And bad shit happens to good people. It's really what it was. Yes, indeed. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I've healed from it. I, you know, for me, it was going through therapy. And also, I think I'm going to disclose it just because I've told you guys I'm religious. When that whole ordeal happened, yeah, I turned away from God. I was like, fuck God. Fuck Jesus. Fuck everything. Like, God was in there when this happened. God didn't give a shit about me. I, I really was not in a good place. Around, it was about junior year in high school where I was healing, starting the healing process. But in college, it's what I decided to go back to God and pray again. And I think prayer definitely helped, you know, helped me get back on track and helped me with my overall healing. But overall, it was definitely like a combination of therapy, prayer, journaling, you know, and like there's different th- forms of therapy. So, well, yes, going to a therapist was also something I did. I also exercised and did, did nature walks, you know, nature hikes. Helped me, I don't know, feel in tune with myself and God and everything. And then back in 2020 with everything that happened, it really just kind of gave me the push I needed to just do everything. Like the full, full work, all the work I had to do on my healing and like I said, I'm, I'm in a good place now. I'm in a good place mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. But everybody's everybody heals differently. And it, you don't, when you go through experiences like that, it doesn't happen in a day. Shit, it doesn't even happen in a year. <laughs> it takes it takes time. So in combination, like, fuck. How long has it been since, we, since we've been in middle school, dude? Oof. God, calling my calling calling us out. We're old as fuck here. <laughs> uh, let's see. College was five years. Uh, high school was four years. Back it up. About twelve. Yes. Four, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Yeah, shit, twelve years. Mm-hmm. About twelve years. All right. Yeah. So, <laughs> I guess it took me twelve years to do all the healing, not just the childhood trauma. Obviously, everything else that happened. But like that's just to show you like healing takes a long fucking time 
But the first step is definitely like recognizing that there's an issue and recognizing that you want to heal from it. Because if you don't want to heal from it, you know, it. everybody has their reasons. But once you accept that you want to heal from it, then the real work begins. And it, like I said, it doesn't, it's not going to get done in a day. Not going to get done in a week. Not even going to get done in a year. It's going to take a long time. And for me, I guess it took 12, 12 long fucking years. <laughs> Dang. Wow. Have I ever, have I, through my, my childhood trauma? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm in the process of healing right now. I'm much, I'm much more better than I was in high school and middle school. In high school and middle school, I was avoiding my trauma. Literally, trying to people please people, try to uh, avoid conflicts, which is so bad because I did, I did not know how to defend myself. Girl, I was starting fights with everybody. <laughs> That was me, but like I was so mad at the world. That's what it was for me. I was mad at the world. I was trying to avoid any more trouble. Mm. That's that's what I saw. But I have worked on my healing. Yes, I have. And uh, while while working on my healing, I took the time to actually seek therapy. The first time seeking therapy is when I was in college, like nineteen years old. So it's been working really well for me. Writing journals. I've been writing journals since I was, like, middle school as well because of how angry I was at that time. And in all my journals and diaries, it's just full of anger <laughs> and resentment of the world, of God, of my parents, my relationship with them. I was just full of anger. But that really helped release my emotion, helped express my emotion, and that's a healthy way for me to express my emotion. And then also, I took the time to cry a lot mm-hmm. and reflect and talk out loud. And lucky for me, when I moved out from my middle school to high school, I lived into a newer home. I had a neighbor who, who was about my parents' age. She's like a surrogate spiritual mother. Ooh. So she helped me dive into my spirituality and learning to forgive myself and my trauma. So she was a big influence of my healing process as well. Shout out to her, man. Yeah, she's amazing. What's her name? Her name is Trish. Shout out to Trish. (laughs) Shout out to my therapist, Charles. He's helped me a lot, too. (laughs) Isn't that funny? I'm a Mexican and I see this white dude named Charles. Right? No, no. But, like, yeah. the therapy isn't for everybody. For a lot of people, it works. For other people, it doesn't. But when you find a good one, honestly, hold on to them. Exactly. Definitely. Um, I mean, that's a perfect segue into my final question. What advice do you have for someone who hasn't been able to get past or begin to heal from their childhood trauma? Recognize your emotional triggers. What triggers you? And take the, time, take the time to breathe and go through it. It can be very painful. I experienced that. You can cry. It's all right. Just cry privately to work on your emotion or manage your emotion. Uh, another thing is write out your emotion or self-record how you're feeling from your childhood trauma. Seek out therapy or go to trusted friends, adults. Mm-hmm. Like, 
what Stephanie said with Charles, her therapist, or my good mentor slash friend slash neighbor. She's not a therapist, but she is really good about healing. She's yeah. just as good. She's just as good. <laughs> yeah. And also remind yourself that you are not the fault of your trauma. You are not the fault, which is hard because I have been so hard on myself after my childhood trauma. Like, is this all me? Do I deserve this? Mm-hmm. Just think about my worth. This is not your fault. It just happened. And learn to recognize that and take the time to heal yourself and forgive yourself. Like I said earlier, it's healing from your childhood trauma takes time. It's something that you can't speed up. You have to definitely put in a lot of work to do that. And you got to find what's going to be best for you to do that. Whether that be therapy, whether that be having a mentor, whether that be exercising, you know, meditation, journaling. And I honestly think probably what's going to help you the best is also finding that support group friends and family who you know and just tell them like I have something I want to talk to you about and if you wouldn't mind I just want you to listen don't say anything I just want you to listen and being vulnerable about childhood trauma is hard it's incredibly hard it's not easy but I can promise you once you take that first step it's, it's a whole new journey. It starts the journey of healing. And later on, you're going you're gonna to look back and you're going to be like, thank God. Thank God I took that step. But you got to do it with somebody you trust. You got to do it with somebody you love. And you got to do it with somebody you know who's not going to put any judgment on you. Because like Madalena said, do not feel guilty for what happened to you. It's not your fault. Your childhood trauma does not, doesn't define who you are. But it helps explain why you are the way you are. And, you know, I think you guys got to recognize, like, if, you've, if you're if you here today and you've experienced something like that, my God, you are a fucking miracle. You survived it. You're here. Embrace the moment that you're here because you have so much value and you're here for a reason. And the world is a better place with you in it and your experience and maybe talking about your experience is going to help somebody else heal from their experience or be or be open to take that first step into healing as well it's really like a community effort like boom as soon as one door opens another door closes you know like me and madalena have been friends for years but we've actually been having to know our shit like throughout the years it didn't just all come at one time like we've had had to break it down and build on our trust and build on our friendship. So it's going to be the same for everybody. But I can honestly say, like, knowing that background, like, I can understand where, why you are the way you are. And I have a lot more respect for you for it. But, I mean, like, that's probably what's going to be your experience. Like, once you open up to somebody and you guys open up and talk about your experiences, you're going to see, like, first of all, you may see that you guys have a lot more, more a lot more similar. I'm like, you now. A lot more similarities than you did before. <laughs> and also, make your friendship stronger or whatever relationship you know, stronger. You guys are going to bond more. The final key point is it's going to be also a process of self-love. You got to give yourself that love and care that you probably didn't have when you were going through that childhood trauma. You're going to have to be that person. So, you know, do the work and don't feel guilty. I felt guilty. I called myself a monster for the longest time for everything that happened. And that's so sad to think of yourself that way. But, you know, once you come out the other way, 
you're gonna be like fuck i'm a bad bitch i've been through some deep shit i've been through some i've been through a lot of shit and i've still been there for my family and my friends i wear my heart on my sleeve i know i'm a good person despite everything that's happened to me and i think your childhood trauma experiences as sad as they are they also make you more you know it makes you human and it makes you able to sympathize with other people's experiences it's really what connects us as people so if you're not able to get past it or you're starting to heal from it well if you're not able to get past it i can understand that everybody's situation is different everybody's experiences could be harder than somebody else's but regardless find find what's going to be best for you to take those first initial steps into healing and if you are in the process of healing keep doing what's best for you take it one day at a time and if you need help or more advice you have this podcast me and Madalena are happy to help you guys you know it's a community it's a community effort but it all starts with you once you do the work once you start the process promise you it's going to get a lot better it's so cliche to say it but you are, it, it, it does get better it really does and again know that the world is a better place for having you in it Well, that wraps up the episode. I want to thank Madalena for joining me, and I'm going to give her a chance to shout out her social media accounts if you want to follow her. Hello. So my social media account, Instagram is majestic underscore Madalena09. So majestic is M-A-J-E-S-T-I-C underscore Madalena, M-A-D-E-L-I-N-A, And don't forget to follow us on our social media accounts to be up to date on what we have going on on the Self-Conscious Podcast, such as upcoming episodes, who our guest co-hosts for each week will be, small businesses highlights, podcast collabs, and so much more. Our Instagram is Self-Conscious Podcast, and our Twitter account is at Conscious Podcast. Thank you to everybody who tuned in. Like always, I hope you resonated with this episode, learned something from it. If you like this episode, go ahead and subscribe to the Self-Conscious Podcast. We are available on various platforms. And might as well share this episode with a friend or family member. The more listeners, the better. We post new episodes every Tuesday. Eso es todo por hoy. I will see you all next week for a new episode. Until then, have a good one, Conchitas.